As the owner of an HVAC company, you probably wondered, why don't my techs maximize every opportunity? Well, today, you're going to learn why. So it's a great question. Why don't our techs maximize every opportunity? I mean, it's a very complicated question to unpack, so we've enlisted Drew Cameron and Russ Horrocks to help us out answering the question. They're going to dive into the technician personality and why they need help, training, and leadership to help them maximize their career. Let's join the boys right now. Well, thanks, Weldon. And so today, yeah, we do want to talk a little bit about why do technicians fail to maximize the opportunities that they're given. We hear all the time from owners and sales managers and service managers that technicians are given opportunities to show up in the home, have conversations with homeowners, and we send them to training to maximize what we call technician communications or sales or selling, whatever, whatever phrase you use. And the technicians just, they don't show up. You provide them even handout tools and materials to give to the homeowners, brochures and flyers and whatnot. And the technicians will get into the house, they'll meet a homeowner, and then they zip. You know, they, it's like crickets. You hear nothing, they share nothing, they, they don't bundle repairs, they, they can't get the customers to even buy beyond just the diagnostic fee or just the tune-up. They don't sell service agreements, they don't convert leads, they don't even maybe, if they're selling technicians, they don't sell uh, equipment. So let's get in and talk about a little bit about the challenges to why that might happen in your company. Why might a technician may not take action on the tools and the trainings that you provide? Great question. I probably hear that on a daily basis. Um, and owners that have tried many different things, uh, ironically, the more they try, the worse they make it. Okay. And they find that the resistance becomes greater and greater. So let's talk about maybe why that happens. I think today, let's just talk about the awareness of it. Yeah. Kind of what are the reasons that cause this? Because that awareness, I think, is going to help us figure out how do we solve it then. Um, I, I, I do teach a tech communication training course. I do it live. Um, recently, I've been doing a lot of the um, uh, online versions of that. So that'll be much more the how. Today, we're just going to kind of be aware of it and talk about it from a very simple standpoint. So the so our listeners, our viewers, they can get access to the, the how to do this so yes. they don't get caught up in the tyranny of how. Right. right? They, can, they can get that either in live classes when we we have those booked around the country. But there's also a virtual version of the yes. how training online. And it's a lot of fun. We get into the detail and understand and talk in a way where the techs go, I get it. They get it. That's what I'm looking for. So they want to be empowered. Really uh, communicating with the home is simply a learned behavior. Some people naturally have the learned behavior. Some people have to work hard to get the learned behavior. But anyone can do it if they want to. So I think the first thing to look to is who's attracted to the technical positions. You know, we all have a certain personality style. Uh, things that uh, fulfill us, the way we interact with our fellow human beings, the way that we uh, feel fulfilled from the job that we take on. So I think technicians typically attract the type of people that are good with their hands, mechanically inclined, and a lot of them, you know, from what they tell me, are they don't think they're good with people. So they might be more thing-oriented and task-oriented than people-oriented. Right. A lot of them are very shy. I've worked with a lot of technicians that are painfully shy. I actually really like that in them because that painfully shy technician, once he learns the behavior of communication, um, people aren't threatened by him. Yeah. And they really listen to them. They really believe them. They really like them. But they do need to work hard to develop the skill of communication. So just the very nature of the position attracts people that don't naturally communicate well with others. Okay. And they've been maybe told their whole life, you don't speak too good 
<laughs> to not speak too good. Okay. And so yeah, they, they've been told that, but right. I love to get those kinds of people and say, look, you do speak good. <laughs> you can do this. And I think it's fun for them. I think they enjoy being told, you know, I can do that. I don't have to sound like a salesperson. I continue to work with my hands. So I think it's important to understand that aspect of it. I was just going to say I didn't know I had Rocky Balboa in the studio <laughs> today, so thank you for that. You're welcome. I, I do speak good sometimes. <laughs> um, so I think it's who's attracted to the position, what they've been told their whole lives. Uh, they want to work with the machines. But here's something important to understand. I've never met a single machine yet that has a bank account or that's told a technician to fix me. We need the humans. Yes. We need the humans to make decisions for the technician to take out his tools and do what he's trained so hard to be good at doing. So while they think they're in a position where it's all about working with their hands, they're really not. Okay. A technician is 100% about their ability to communicate value, trust, and uh, options to a customer. Every best technician I've ever met is the best communicator. The best technical technicians are rarely the best performing technicians. Okay. Some things that get in the way of how they execute their process. So uh, I think it's important to understand that, that as well. Okay. Why, why do you think that technicians are afraid to communicate? Uh, that's, that's good. I, I think it's probably primarily because they don't want to be salesmen. You know, okay. I hear it everywhere I go. I don't want to be a salesman. And I love that about them. We don't want you to be a salesman either. Why, why do you think, you know, to play off that a little bit for a second, why, do, why does that have a negative connotation, do you think? Um, I think it's because every one of us has those personal experiences where we know someone's telling us to do something that we know it's in their best interest, not ours. Okay. I think technicians by nature are hypersensitive to that, um, more so than most people. Okay. Their capacity to trust is lower because of that. And so when they're asked to engage in behavior like that, it just makes them feel terrible. And if they don't feel good and they don't feel in alignment with their own behavior, that cognitive dissonance is going to manifest all over the physiology, and the customers are going to see it, and then they're going to fail. And then they're going to be embarrassed from the failure. They're going to lose trust in the process, what they're asked to do. And then you're back as a, home, as a business owner saying, why won't my techs open their mouths? Yeah, I also think that sometimes some technicians take personal pride in, I can fix anything. Right. Absolutely. And and they, they thought their thought is is that sometimes the customer just wants this thing fixed and they want it fixed as cheap as possible. Yes. And they go in with that mentality. And so you know they think that's being of service to the customer. So if, maybe if you could talk just for a second a little bit about what what is truly being of service to the customer really mean. So I've evolved in that understanding over my career. I used to think it was about selling things, commenting on things, showing them things that they could invest in. And I realized that was the wrong way to look at it. Okay. I had success doing that, but very limited success. When I started having dynamic success, I started processing that differently. It wasn't, um, I'm giving you information to sell you something. I'm giving you information because that's what a professional does. And I gave it without opinion. That's important. A lot of technicians think that their opinion matters to the homeowner. It really doesn't. Okay. If I give you uh, an opinion to do something that costs you money, what's the potential conflict there? You're like, well, clearly he wants to make money, and it discredits all that great information you just delivered. Right. They heard it, but they don't believe it. And when I'm a technician, I do that, I get that negative feedback. It, it, it doesn't enforce the proper behavior, it reinforces the wrong behavior. So a lot of them just stop talking about those things. And they think, and they find reconciliation, the fact that, hey, I saved you money today. 
You spent $2,800 on that 20-year-old condenser. They're proud of the fact that they fixed it and they walk away feeling good, but that is one of the biggest disservices they could do for a homeowner. They withheld really important information that could have made a big difference to that customer. So what you're saying is it's not necessarily doing the cheapest thing or even just fixing the thing. It's giving me, the customer, information and options in a way that they're non-biased. Yeah. Right? You, you have no... You have no dog in the hunt, if you will, right? You don't care what I do. You just want to give me information so that I can make a good decision. 100%. Yeah. I, I learned over the years to give information completely agnostic to the information. It protects the integrity of the information. Yeah. If I give you information with opinion, I've now just kind of contaminated it. Customer now has the potential to see, ooh, I see agenda here. Shut down. Pull back. Take a moment. Think about it. I don't want that. You know, people ask me a question, well, Rush, should I re repair it or replace it? I don't know. Let's explore it and see. Okay. Let's look at both. Um, once we fully identify what it takes to do either one, then you tell me which one has a stronger interest for you. Okay. Let's just make sure we keep both on the table. If I stay neutral, they're going to feel safe and they'll explore both options equally and they'll be willing to invest in motion, which is the key. So um, I think technicians, if they stop thinking serving is saving money yeah. today, and they realize serving is providing information of all the things that can be done, they're going to find that they, it takes a lot of pressure off them. You know? okay. I think that's one of the most important things. When I give information, it's never for the expectation of a return. It's because that's what a professional does. Okay. And so I don't set myself up for failure. I don't feel the anxiety of you saying yes or no. Okay. I know the information was never given with that intent and purpose. It's to make sure whatever you do, you do knowingly. You do it once, you do it right, and hopefully I'm the one you do it with. Okay. So that frees the technician's mind up from that anxiety and that fear of what if they say no. I don't care if they say no. It's their choice. It's their home. I'm not going to jump in your head. I'm not going to jump in your wallet. Okay. Uh, I guess two last things I want to touch on. Mm -hmm. Thing number one, uh, we hear a lot, of, uh, a lot of times from owners and managers uh, and even technicians. And every time you send somebody to my home, they're always trying to sell me something. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you frame it so that when a technician does walk into the home and he or she is dealing with the homeowner, that is there a way for them to kind of preface the whole conversation to where they don't run into that objection? Great question. I actually had that last week. I'm in a home, and the, the woman said to us, I called you out to do my maintenance. I had three left with another company, but I am so sick of them and so sick of every visit trying to sell me stuff. I didn't even care about those three main visits. Okay. I called your company. And so the tech and I went out and did the, the maintenance um, process. We looked at everything. We came back, and I said, it's key that we choose our language very carefully here, right. how we're going to interact and, and react to what's going on here today. She told us how sensitive she is to being sold stuff. So guess what we have to do? Be very sensitive back. Let's make sure we don't trigger that in her. So we said to her, look, if you're OK, we're not going to give you any opinions or recommendations. We're simply going to tell you what it is, what it does, and the condition of yours. And that's it. So we walked her through and said, here's what the, th the thing is, capacitor, contactor, you know, the amp draw on the, on, the, on the compressor, whatever it is. Here's what it does, and here's the condition of yours. And her whole system checked out good except for the fan. The fan was wobbling. And so at the risk of sounding like we're trying to sell her something, we simply said, look, that fan's wobbling. If the noise becomes a problem, let us know. Also, when a fan wobbles, it, caught, it takes a little more energy for the, the motor to move that fan. It could wear a little quicker. If that's a concern of yours, let us know. Okay. I said, we're done here today. Any other questions? So by giving her the information without 
the pressure of a decision or the offering of a solution, how do you think it made her feel? Made her feel great. She did. Yeah. She actually looked at us and we started doing the paperwork and went to have her sign it that we were done. She goes, well, just a second, what would it take to fix that fan? Okay. So we took someone that was hypersensitive to being sold something to actually asking us for what's the solution. It's all the language we choose, the mindset that we have, and, and the way that we look at ourselves. I didn't, I didn't look at her, her as selling anything yeah. other than being a true professional, letting her know all the options. So I like to kind of summarize it this, this way for, for, for technicians especially. What the thing is, what does it do, and what's the condition of yours? Yeah. When people learn that, they're compelled to say, well, what do I do about that? Yeah. You're saying that the, the, the uh, capacitor is out of tolerance, what does that mean? Now you're answering questions, not selling products and services. So you feel safe, they feel safe, and you're so much more productive. Yeah. I think it's also important when you talk about, you know, what is the condition of yours? Is how did, it, if it's not working for some reason, how did it get to that point? Maybe it was neglect, you haven't had the maintenance done in a while, you haven't changed your filter, so how did you get here? Right. And what could you do to possibly prevent this in the future too? Right, right? exactly. Uh, perfect example is a contactor. You know, what's a contactor? What does it do? Why does mine look this way? What does that pitting mean? What's its purpose? How did it get here? Yeah. And then they're going to ask you, well, how do I fix it? What do I do about it? So. Okay, great. Well, I always like to begin with the end in mind, and so kind of put this as the last talking point I wanted to touch on here today, which is how do we start this, right? I mean, understanding they can get the training on the EJI website and they can attend a live event to learn how to, you know, to get into the mechanics of how you specifically do this in the home, but to, to help our, our viewers, you know, if I get in the home after the meet and greet and we exchange pleasantries, you know, how does a technician tee this up before they go and begin to do anything in the home? Is there something that they could say? Kind of, some people in some training call it a transitional statement, if you will. Yeah. Is there something they could do to tee this up? Yeah, I call them statements of alignment. I think it's a great way to show the customer that I'm not here to do something to you, I'm here to do something for you. So a statement of alignment, just to let them know, we're here to look at your system. What we're trying to do, this is not a preventative maintenance, it's a performance maintenance. And today we're gonna try to restore it back to the design conditions that the manufacturers intended it to operate under. I'm gonna look at everything, report back to you, tell you what's going on, and I hope I have nothing but good news to report. Before I begin, a few questions for you. How do you feel about your thermostat? And then you go through the possible values, Efficiency, controls, performance, longevity, reliability, and you understand them before you go look at the thing. Okay. And, and I think if you do that, you feel safe, they feel safe, you feel aligned, they feel like, you know what, this is exactly what I paid for, what I hoped for. Um, I always want technicians to understand there's no value in what you do, only what you say. Yeah. They don't know what you're doing. Yeah. They can't renew a maintenance agreement on the merits of what you did because they don't recognize the value in what you did. It's the ability to communicate what you're doing that creates that, that compelling moment where someone says, look, we can cut out the Starbucks coffee, but we can't cut out the maintenance agreement. Okay. That's imperative. So, yeah, and I think it, it, they can get the customer to that point if they just get their head right, understand what they do, why they're doing it, and, and enjoy what they're doing. You always hear me sign off all my videos with this. We want to help you love what you do, but more importantly, the way that you do it. Yeah. And I think when people get that right, they start to have a lot of fun. And, and we talk about it all the time in our training. It's not about what a customer spends. It's about how they feel about what they spend. Uh, very quickly, if you could, mm -hmm. um, you, you talked about how to do it on a performance maintenance call. How would you do it on a demand repair call? Same thing. <clears throat> Statements of alignment would sound like this. Uh, Drew, did you have any indicator that the system was going to fail on you today? Okay. You say, you're going to say no, right? No. 
came as a surprise. I'm sorry to hear that. It's never fun to meet people under these circumstances. I'll tell you what, let's hope it's simple and easy. Because yeah. what are they hoping? Simple and easy. <laughs> yeah. So that statement just showed them and, and, and allowed them to go, oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Someone's on my team. Yeah. Someone here wants what I want. I would go on to say this, though. Now, it could be more involved. Let's hope it's not. So I prepare you for it could be something major, which you would interpret as also costly. Yeah. So you and I both want something simple and easy, affordable, but you also know it could be something more involved and more expensive. But I'm on your team. Let's hope it's not. Yeah. It's a very simple way to just set the whole tone for the call. Okay. Russ, great information. And uh, you know, I think if you understand as a service manager, as an owner, uh, and help your 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 technicians understand the challenges of communication and then get them to the class. Get them to the live class or get them to take the class online. They can give that customer a great experience because when they communicate, when they communicate effectively in the home with a customer, that is the product of a great experience. It's not necessarily the things that you do that's going to make a customer feel good. It's going to be the communication and the interaction with the person that's in front of them so that they feel that they truly understand that they're making good decisions based on good information. So, fantastic information. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you. Now, that's some amazing content right there, folks. Simple but true. And I know it's going to help a lot of you owners out there. Solving some of these problems can really help you train your techs not only to offer more solutions, but also to help them develop into better people. And that's what growing a company is really all about. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.